Hi, my name is John Hawks, and I'm here to talk about the film Too Late and uh, the song that I wrote for the film and perform in the film, Down With Mary. Well, John, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us here today and for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. So to start off, I would love to just, I guess, talk about um, uh, your background, maybe going back to the very beginning, growing mm -hmm. up. I mean, we're here to talk about Too Late and, and the song you wrote, but also... Kind of when did uh, I guess acting kind of find its way into your life, and then maybe when did music kind of find? Was it always there? Did you kind of pursue it? When did it kind of come into your life? Sure, I was raised uh, in the Midwest in a small right. town, um, in the country. Uh, when I was young, we had one channel on television, so I read a lot of books and yeah. listened to a lot of music. Uh, I can't remember a time when I wasn't amazed by music. I remember music from dreams I had as a little boy, uh, or pieces of and vibe of. Mm -hmm of the music I heard. Um, again, it was a limited kind of uh, upbringing culturally, but, uh, but the music I heard was, was really amazing to me. And, and the stories uh, that I, I read in books and, and then seeing uh, movies on television and uh, wondering uh, how those people got those jobs and did they get paid for that or, or what was that all about? I didn't really have any references for uh, you know, any answers at that point. Right. As I got older, uh, I, I uh, was cast in a play in high school in a real small role, but uh, just loved it, felt yeah. home immediately. I guess I always had kind of a feeling of wanting to avoid the straight world somehow, mm -hmm. even though I didn't even quite know what that was, but the circus seemed more interesting to me. And uh, as I uh, got into my early 20s or late teens, I moved to Austin, Texas uh, to be a carpenter and, uh, and, and kind of uh, begin life anew and fell in with a bunch of people older and smarter than me and uh, you know, uh, made music with them and, and did theater with them and made uh, visual art. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I have no formal training as an actor or musician, mm -hmm. but Austin, Texas was kind of my, uh, my college, I guess, yeah, uh, in a sure. way. I learned to tell a story there, uh, I think, as a, as a writer, a songwriter, and also as an actor. And as an actor, um, I guess, what is the appeal of uh, embodying another character because your your characters I love your characters that you create and mm. and each character just feels so different than the last I mean what is the appeal as a I guess as you as a person as John Hawks mm. as a, what's the appeal of embodying another character and becoming someone else is, is that a, well, something that you strive to do like a, yeah it's not something that I, I think about really deeply I guess it's something that I just uh, feel right doing but mm. if I were to take it apart a little bit I think that. Uh, well, it can be really a cathartic uh, experience. Uh, you can uh, release a lot of tension <laughs> some playing certain kinds of characters. Those dark characters do take a piece of you, though. You know, uh, again, I'm not a, a trained actor, but I, I pretend really intensely as I work and uh, pretending disturbing things over and over. Your body begins to not be able to tell what's real and what's not. You're, you know, you, your mind knows that you're not uh, being killed or doing harm to someone, but your body you're pretending properly feels all that stuff. So I'm careful with the, with the darker roles that I take as yeah. I get older. Uh, I also think that it's a really, it's an odd relief, uh, uh, maybe is the word, to see the world through another human being's eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and an actor is in a, in a unique position to get to kind of, uh, to do that, I guess. And uh, once you're finished with a role, does that, I mean, you, you just talked about some of the darker roles take a piece of you, but does that character leave you forever? Do you ever think back like 
past roles and go, oh, I remember being that person. Don't I remember being that? Is it, is it still part of you or is it gone? No, uh, that's the thing. They're definitely still still really? part of me. Uh, particularly uh, uh, a piece of work that I felt uh, was effective and I felt uh, that I was in, you know, uh, proper service to the script and the story. Uh, and, and films that just came off well. There were just pieces of art that I got to be lucky to be part of. Those, those definitely stay with me. Some of the others I try to forget. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, and I'll, I also want to talk about a little bit about working with directors as an actor. Um, mm. You work with some, I mean, some of the most amazing directors, including one before Too Late. Um, is it the actor's job to adapt to a director's style, or is it, do you feel it's the director's job to adapt to an actor's style? Because I know there, you read these stories of like, oh, there's yelling on the set, there's this, like, what is, the, I guess, in your opinion, should a director be kind of more open to what an actor can bring and adapt to their style, or is it the other way? Well, I hope that both parties, uh, again, in service to, to the story they're telling, uh, find a way to uh, be heard. Uh, certainly, the director is God on a movie set, mm. uh, in my opinion. Um, they see a bigger picture than I do. Even if I'm playing the lead role, they see, they see more th than I. Uh, you've got to trust the director, but uh, a wise and wonderful director is one that wants the best from their actors and wants to hear what they have to say as well. Because in the end, once you take on a role and once you really do make it your own, you, you begin to feel, and I think a wise director would acknowledge this, that in, in, in a way you know your role more than anyone else can ever know it. Mm -hmm. But that said, you don't know the whole story necessarily as, as uh, try as you might, as well as the director does and what the director he or she sees as the, the overall vision of right. the movie. And mm. while I mean, when, when you're filming as an actor and you're playing opposite somebody who's in the same scene, how much of, I guess, your success or failure in that scene as an actor depends on what you're playing off of? Is it really mm -hmm. important to create that kind of relationship? And uh, do you discuss with the other actor in the scene beforehand? Do you know what they're going to bring to the table first? Mm -hmm. Or do you kind of go in and just react as blindly? Well, your original question is a great one. Uh, I, I try not to, to pre-plan too much, but uh, you're only as good as the people around you right. on some yeah, level. And <laughs> so uh, I guess you can be made to look good uh, by uh, uh, an ineffective actor, but I think you can, the, the, both actors in the scene, if it's a two-hander, are, are, are made uh, much better by, by effective work from either. I uh, my method, if you will, or what I've uh, uh, made, what, what I've invented, I guess, as a way to approach roles through years and years of doing theater and, and, uh, and film, learning through failure and success. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a, an over-preparer, uh, an artistic over-preparer by nature. I want to to have a really good idea of what's going on. I want to figure out what is the story and how can my character help best serve that story. <clears throat> if it's a film, I want to look at the frame and figure out what action in that frame will best serve the moment and the story and perhaps the other actor if that's uh, you know, the, the really needed in the scene, if that actor's driving the scene, so to speak. Uh, I over-prepare, I make a, a lot of choices and decisions and then I try to, when the lights go up or the curtain goes up or the director calls action to try to forget everything mm -hmm. in that moment and be present with the other actor or actors and just kind of see what happens at that point. But I feel like all the preparation that I've done in advance, sometimes hundreds of hours, depending on if the character has a special skill that's unfamiliar to me, 
all of that is, uh, is in there, even, even if I'm not actively kind of thinking about it. Uh, an actor needs to be aware moment to moment of what, what their character needs. What, right. what, what are they trying to accomplish? That's a start. But beyond that, I like to, uh, to again, uh, forget it all, learn it all, and forget it all. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I just want to go through some of my favorite roles of yours and just maybe mm -hmm. kind of talk a little bit about them. Um, Winter's Bone, which is a fantastic, fantastic film, and you played uh, alongside Jennifer Lawrence, you know, when she was kind of starting her, her career. Um, what was it like working with someone, I guess, with an actress who was, I mean, now she's Oscar winner and ever, and mm -hmm. when she was starting out, and you kind of brought this, you brought years of experience to it, was working with kind of with new talent and creating that kind of bond and the relationship that you guys had and, and your characters in the film? Mm -hmm. um... I've been doing it a really long time, but I don't profess to, to necessarily know a way or the way to mm -hmm. to make art. You know, I have my own ideas, but uh, I wish to remain open to what others bring. Uh, she seemed really suited to the part. She was a young woman, and and what goes along with being you know a woman in, in your late teens. Um, she was not a overly intensely serious person when the camera wasn't rolling. Mm -hmm. um, I took pains not to get to know her very well. Uh, again, I'm not a method actor. I don't even know exactly what that is, but I, I do feel it was. I felt it was important for her not to have a, <clears throat> uh, not to know me too well and have a level of comfort me, level of comfort with me as a human being. I right. thought it might be good for her to be a little afraid of of that me. Uh, I didn't really play games around that. I just didn't seek mm. uh, any kind of real, you know, friendship or something like you might with another actor mm. who you're spending a lot of time with. Uh, she's very pleasant, and, and I hope I was too. And she's terrific in the film. But that said, there were also people on that uh, set of Winter's Bone who had never been in front of a camera before. And when I uh, show up in a in a foreign land, so to speak, mm. in an area that I'm not that I didn't grow up. In, and I'm not incredibly familiar with as much research as, I'm, as I may have tried to, to do in advance. I look at those extras and those people with one lines who are local as uh, experts, as, mm -hmm. as teachers. Uh, they are of the land. And so I, uh, in that case, I, I tried to learn from them. I certainly didn't think, why is that person in the movie? They're not an actor. Quite yeah. the opposite. It's like, why am I here? <laughs> These people belong here. Yeah, and how can I be part of what they're doing? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, another one that I love is Eastbound and Down. Mm. <laughs> a mm -hmm. lot of people love that show. Mm -hmm. And how do you, I mean, when you're working with, I mean, with Danny McBride, like you have such a composure as, and, and you're known for your dramatic role. But working in those comedic scenes and everything, uh, had, had, what was kind of the the, the play you had off with working with a like proper comedic actor like like Danny? For sure. Um, well, I like to think that I, I do a lot of comedy as well. People may not, may, not, may not see them as much, <laughs> right. but, but uh, I mean, originally starting out as far as audience reaction doing theater, uh, that, that was really where I thought, wow, I, I'm in this world. People, yeah. people think I'm funny <laughs> looking or just funny. But uh, uh, for that one, uh, for Eastbound and Down, um, in talking to, to David Gordon Green, uh, who, who directed the pilot, and uh, to, uh, to Danny and others, I enjoy improvisation uh, a lot and, and feel like I've got something to offer in that department. But <clears throat> it became evident to me rather quickly that someone needed to be sort of a straight person, almost, uh -huh. almost, almost 
uh, feeling what the audience is feeling with all the audacious uh, events <laughs> around them. And even though Dustin, uh, the character I played, wasn't a completely normal guy, <clears throat> excuse me, he had a few uh, screws loose himself, he was uh, much more uh, in, in a sort of reality that I understood than, than, the other, than the other characters. My main job then, I thought, was to try to uh, maintain a kind of stillness and, uh, and again, uh, a classic straight man vibe so that the others could, could, could flourish in, yeah. in that way. And, and it became very challenging to me, ultimately, uh, when Will Ferrell would, would show up and be in a scene, uh, so, many, so many fine actors on, the, on that show, in the cast and those guest stars, Ultimately, I was just trying to keep a straight face a lot of the time, and it was it was not an easy job. Uh, yeah, those are the best movie reels to watch, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm. Um, and of course, the sessions is one of my favorite performances mm. you did, and uh, it's such a Thanks. powerful film. And maybe you had such a unique on-screen relationship with Helen Hunt and mm. your characters, uh, and it's I mean it's really raw and vulnerable, and intimate moments between you two. Mm. What was it like? filming those scenes, I mean, I feel like, was it awkward? Was it, mm -hmm. I mean, going through that with her and, and that Well, experience? you know, um, to uh, one uh, nearly nude person and another person completely <laughs> nude of the opposite sex uh, is going to create a little uh, tension. Uh, Helen was really happy that my girlfriend at the time was the script supervisor. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. I was vetted pretty quickly because uh, my ex was a, is an extraordinary person. Um, that helped a little bit in a weird way. You know, mm -hmm. it was, felt a little more familial, perhaps. But one thing I like about the movie is that it treats uh, sex uh, as an adult subject and uh, not necessarily a source of jokes, although that happens a little bit because everything needs yeah. to be laughed at a bit. <laughs> But I feel like there's a there was a there was something adult about it in a way that uh, was refreshing, and I, I feel like we approach the scenes that way in their execution as well. Um, you know, you always, I think, uh, if you were raised right, uh, check in with another actor if you have to do a scene that involves roughing them up or 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 you know, kind of psychic warfare or whatever. In this case, it was just. Bodies and, and it was good to, to check in, I think, and, and to see how my partner was feeling about things. She was very brave, right. very brave, and uh, really terrific in the film. But, but those scenes were some of them shot in very long takes too. Wow. Uh, the very first time I think that we meet, there are some very long takes, uh, and they're happening in kind of real time. And the, the awkward pause, the uh, just the, the small gesture, the look, uh, all those things became, I think, magnified in a way that was effective for the movie. And speaking, yeah, speaking of long, long takes, I want to talk about Too Late, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. I mean, you kind of got wrapped up in this amazing uh, kind of take on film noir and pulp and everything. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your, your role here with, uh, mm -hmm. with Too Late and working with such an amazing director and, uh, you know, Dennis, and, and creating a, a film that was shot on 35 millimeter, but also you guys did it in segments, right, with 20 minute mm. kind of one take segments? Yes. So how yes. was that, how did you approach that as an actor? And it probably felt almost like acting on stage in a way. It, it was a hybrid. Uh, certainly yeah. I prepared the way I would prepare for any role. Uh, you know, there's the journalist's five questions. It's a great place to start. Who am I? Why am I here? Where have I been? Mm -hmm. Where am I going? How did I get here? There's actually more than five. You can just keep going. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
uh, you know, that was kind of the same approach was to figure out, uh, I guess, ultimately, what is the story? And then again, how, how can I help best serve that uh, moment to moment? Um, a lot of the movie is Samson, the character that, that I right. play, but there's a lot of other uh, scenes that don't uh, involve him and moments in the film, for sure. Uh, so that was normal, but, but the shooting itself was, was unusual because, as you say, it was kind of like a play, but, right. but not like a play because even though you weren't to be edited, and that's one of the things that really, I think, uh, makes a live performance stand out from, from film to performance as an actor. You still had to kind of do a choreographed dance uh, uh, with, with yeah. the crew. Um, really great. Uh, but it would also force you to do things as an actor that you might not normally do. For example, uh, you might say a line and I might normally want to be right on top of that line, but it might involve the character having to, the camera having to turn to me to, right. to to catch a line that was important, so I might have to delay something or a lot of things like that. It was kind of like doing a play, but but uh, but but really not. It was uh, it was it was fascinating the, the way that it all came together. There was not a there was no small job or small person on the set. The the, the person that would be lowest on the call sheet, quote unquote, would often have a very important job within the, the twenty minute take. That right. if they didn't do their thing in, the, in that moment, all would be lost and it would take an hour to reset. So, uh, Was there a lot of rehearsing? Yeah, a fair amount of rehearsing and it, it made for a real, uh, plus on any independent movie with a very small crew, you get to know everybody pretty quickly and, mm -hmm. and on this one in particular, even though the crews would change because we often shot scenes a year, uh, one year later, another scene, another year later. Mm -hmm. um, within, within that scene, uh, there was a real, uh, uh, feeling of being part of a team, I think, for, for all concerned. And, and every time we would finish a 20-minute take, there were basically 18 minutes, a lot of them, I believe, roughly. Um, there would be, uh, you know, a cheer that would, that would <laughs> arise uh, in people uh, just, just to have gotten the take. So, uh, yeah, it was a really unique uh, approach, and that was part of the reason I wanted to be in the movie was to... to uh, to get to do really long, uninterrupted takes, right. and, and the challenge of that, and the joy, and of, the joy of that. Appealed to your uh, musical side as well, Florence. Like sure, you, you wrote mm -hmm. an amazing song "Down with Mary" uh, mm -hmm. that, that appears in the film. So, can you talk about maybe I guess the, the role of that song for your, I guess for your character and the plot of the film, and what it I guess represents as a whole kind of mm -hmm. thing? I think Dennis wrote the film for me. I'm not being coy, but I don't want to say that if he didn't. But I feel like he's mentioned it. He literally thought of me for the part. Mm -hmm. And whether I was going to do it or not, that's kind of how he wrote. Uh, he knew that I played music. Uh, I didn't ask to, to, to play uh, in the film, but <clears throat> the script at one point says something like uh, Samson, my character. Samson uh, strums away and sings a song about a woman he once knew named Mary and the good time they had. So that was really all there was on the page. Uh -huh. And... Uh, uh, I wrote a song that Dennis didn't really love. Uh, he wrote one that I didn't think I'd be able to really memorize. And, at the, and, and this song happens, it was our very first thing we did. Uh, it, it's the second scene in the movie, but it's the very first thing that we got together and, and shot as a group in making the film. And it was the most ambitious. It starts in a club, it goes into a dressing room, there's a small fight, it goes out onto the street, always following uh, my character. He walks down the street, smokes a cigarette, puts it out, goes inside, a band is playing, a bunch of other things happen. All of this is happening live. 
and then at the very end of that take, here, play us a song. And uh, so I wanted it to be uh, something that, uh, that I was comfortable with. Right. Um, so then I wrote another song uh, that was kind of an old-timey waltz, uh, and uh, it was fine. But the very first thing I'd written uh, down with Mary for the film I thought would be, would be right. I, I knew that, that I wanted a late-night kind of feel. Mm -hmm. I wanted a simplicity, uh, yet some pith. Uh, I wanted the song to offer a small clue uh, as to the overall mystery of the film, which it does. And I felt it would serve best if there was a sort of mood and vibe and feeling that was akin to the location and, again, the time of, the kind of, time of day, closing time at a bar. So I put those things all together and, uh, and, and wrote this song, uh, Down With Mary. Now, Dennis, again, passed the first time. I happened to be recording uh, on another project, uh, working on some other songs, and brought my buddy Corey in to play violin on those songs. And I said, hey, listen to this song, or just, just play along with me on this one. And we demoed it really quickly, just kind of nothing. And I wanted it to sound like he didn't know the song, which he really didn't. <clears throat> there goes my rod. Uh, and, uh, and so we, we just kicked out a demo in less than an hour and I brought it to Dennis and uh, he told me that he listened to it I think 50 times in a row or something like that. He, wow. he fell for it. And, and Corey Simeone is a phenomenal violin player, violin player so that might have been part of it. Uh, and then I worked Corey into the film in Sally J's band, the band that's playing as I walk into the second bar. And uh, as I play the song, he's, they're all packing up equipment and Sally and I are just kind of sitting there and playing it for and singing. And, uh, and for the character Dorothy as well, which is a very important part of the scene. And um, I had Corey kind of unpack his violin and, and, and join in. Mm. And uh, I think it's really effective in the film. And, uh, and now we've done a, I'm in a band called Rodney and John, and now we've done a, uh, it's been a lot of versions of this song. We've now done a, a more lush uh, orchestrated version with a cello, uh, viola, violin and the standard uh, guitars and bass that we would normally have. No drums, which is really odd for us. We're kind of a, a form of rock, but, uh -huh. but this song didn't, didn't, uh, didn't need them. And so, uh, yeah, now the song's got another new life, and, and I hope people like it. Soon, right? Sure, we'll yeah. be playing at uh, Harvard and Stone on uh, December 12th, Monday night. I'm not sure when this will, will run. But uh, if that's... If that's uh, of interest, there you go, and we'll be playing that song that night, and we're also uh, putting uh, our, our, our version of Down With Mary in a, in a video that we're uh, working on that will, I think, come out right around the same time as the show, oh, December 12th. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Rodney and John, Harvard Stone, December 12th. <laughs> so talk about being in a band. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it's a completely different world than filmmaking and then acting. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's and it's a it's a team thing. It's a com camaraderie. Well, your ride's coming back again. But <laughs> um, so, so yeah, what, what's it like? Let's wait for it to pass. But uh, so yeah, what is what is what goes into be, being part of a band? And is it all about who brings different aspects to it? And how do you kind of define your sound? Well, uh, I've been playing in bands since 1982 in Austin, Texas, uh, off and on and then in solo if I wasn't in a band. So right. I've been playing live music in front of people for a long time. Uh, we were talking earlier uh, before you started rolling about kind of the theories around performance, all that kind of thing really interests me. Right, yeah. Um, 
I think that that the best bands, uh, or the bands I like the best, and the bands I've most enjoyed being part of, don't really limit themselves to a genre or a category. Uh, nor do the songs themselves. Uh, if you know, when I started out here in LA, if you had one song on your set that went bump, 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 like a Johnny Cash kind of kind of opening, you're a country band. Whether you played metal <laughs> and polka the rest of the time, you're a country band. But um, that doesn't scare me. I, I like all kinds of music, but I prefer to just write a song and let people tell me what they think it is. I don't necessarily, again, want to cram the song into some uh, box in order to make it work. And, and the band's the same way for me. I, I feel like I want to play with people who strive for uh, perfection that doesn't really exist, but mm. to get as close as they can to it within, uh, within the, the parameters of their skill. And, and, and uh, so... Within those bands, for me, again, the bands I've liked have usually kind of crossed genres, not in a necessarily really obvious way of, oh, here's a reggae song, here's a country song, but just, just, a, just it's just music to me, right. ultimately, Absolutely. in the end, it's music. And uh, I heard someone on television, I guess Frankie Valli was being interviewed last night, him saying it's just whether there's soul in it or not. And, and that could be, again, German polka or rap or... Uh, a free jazz piece or a, or a chamber piece uh, or, or a rock song, there's either, there's either soul in the music or there isn't. And so I'm interested in trying to trying to be part of the music that, that has soul in it, for right. sure. So is, is writing a song and performing a song, is that, I feel like it'd be more vulnerable than acting because you're, you're speaking words mm -hmm. that you wrote versus yes. someone else's words. Mm -hmm. Do you feel more vulnerable as, as you're on stage? Singing something that you wrote? Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, that's an interesting question. I, I think it's one of the real joys of, of being a songwriter uh, who acts a lot is that, is that a, as a songwriter, you, you do get to say what's inside of you, right. which is, which is yeah. not often the case when you're, when you're acting. Uh, each song, though, is its own little story with its own little cast of characters. And, and, and uh, as a singer, I try to... Uh, find the most effective approach, approach uh, uh, you know, within, within, within that song, you know, or, or what that song needs. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tom Waits, and he basically seems to make up a different character for every song he sings, and his voice reflects it in a way that is so uh, incredibly uh, demonstrative and, and telling. It's pretty great. I don't really have that... Uh, uh, desire, but I, I, I do like. Well, well, put it this way: uh, I, I, I don't really love uh, playing solo. I'll do it just because I like to play. Right. I like to play with people, and I like to play with other writers and singers. I guess from the earliest times of being in bands in in, uh, in the early '80s, back in Austin. Uh, I always liked serving as well as leading, and so if you're in a band with uh, with, with other people who write and sing and take over, it's it's really a joy. So I can really be the lead character, so to speak, in a song as the as the, as the main singer and writer. Right. But I also really love uh, uh, singing background on songs, uh, providing harmony, uh, providing texture uh, with my guitar. Uh, or even just laying out, you know. There's sometimes doesn't, the song doesn't need everybody to be uh, yeah. blasting away at once. And just, I think, as a musician, uh, what you don't play can be uh, as important as what you do. Right, absolutely. Um, and when you sent, do you, 
ever, do you set out to write a song or does it just come to you? Does it just It's different, happen? it's different every time. Uh, you know, they, sometimes they fall from the sky through a hole in the top of your head yeah. and, and you jot them down in a bar on a napkin in five minutes and maybe one word is scratched off or maybe not. Others take five years, you know, you're chasing them through city streets and uh, through airports. <laughs> and, and then other songs uh, follow you around for five years, like a stalker. They're in the shower with you, and you're trying not to think of them. You're driving along. I don't want to think about that now. And eventually, with some songs, I feel like they've gotten me into a corner with, with knives and, and baseball bats, and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll write the song. And they often come out kind of fully formed because they've been in you for five years, just mm -hmm. in a way that you hadn't ever quite put together until that one moment when they got you in the corner <laughs> and you and you and you write it out uh, and, and it comes from you uh, but uh, there's no one method for me at all yeah. um, does it usually melody pop in your head first or is it usually a lyric is it usually something again it's different every, different time. every time it really is it really is I just had the experience of writing uh, I just did uh, completed a, a photography on a film called Unlovable, which is an independent film. And for that, uh, I play a, an agoraphobic a garage musician uh, who meets a woman in the guest house, and they begin to play. Uh, and so I had to write several songs and several pieces of songs. It was probably, I don't know, a dozen music cues. That was really, really fun, really, really challenging. And then to play and record those songs as well. I was kind of a, a guy of four tracks in his garage. But uh, some of those songs had lyrics uh, in the screenplay that were usable. Uh, one was a complete, you know, verse-chorus, verse-chorus song that, was, that, that the words seemed correct for. And so it was really interesting just to write for someone else's words. Uh, I've certainly co-written co with people, but to have something that's already there and probably was written a year ago on a page and then uh, make something, again, to serve the story uh, was really enjoyable. And then other, other uh, words were just kind of placeholders and I was free to just completely replace. So there were several things that are completely original. But it was a really, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is that that project kind of encompassed all the possible ways that I would write a song. And it even had one or two very old songs of mine uh, per the story, things that you would listen to that I'd right. supposedly done long ago. So I just took things I'd done long ago and, and uh, they picked what they liked. But a lot of it was original material, and it was, it was great because they were the things where the words came first, the music came first, someone already else wrote the words, I'll add the music. Really great, really great. And it was like, a, like writing a musical almost, or being part of writing a musical, because again, the songs need to serve the mood and emotion and, and the kind of trajectory of the story. So it was really enjoyable. I'm anxious to see how that came out. <laughs> I did read in an interview uh, that, uh, uh, maybe it was a year or two ago, that uh, about just be becoming more recognized and that people walking up to you in the street and that you don't like the fact that people maybe know you as a person but you rather have them know you as the character in, 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 in the film and like oh yeah there's John Hawks he's playing a good cab driver versus oh that's a good mm -hmm. cab driver I think that was a quote or something like that mm -hmm. is that still kind of how you feel? Well it kind of had to do I think with, uh, with knowing too much about uh, about a performer a musician whatever mm -hmm. uh, I like mystery and right. uh really difficult to find in the digital age so um as we sit here and talk about you <laughs> i understand and uh um 
I, I do this for this. I'm, I'm happy to do this. You yeah, know, a wonderful course. gentleman uh, as well and a really good interviewer. But, you know, uh, it's, it's probably the least favorite part of, of things. Um, but I choose to be here. I'm happy to be yeah. here. <laughs> but for me, the less, I guess, of this that I do, the less that I'm on a talk show, the less... You know, radio and, and, and print are, are different, but this is a different thing. This is, you know, people uh, uh, learning about you, so to speak. Right. Um, I just feel like the more people know about me as an actor uh, and musician, the less interesting the work uh, can become, potentially. Mm -hmm. I guess the quote you were reading was, was my saying something to the effect of that there are some incredibly great actors who are movie stars, some really fine men and women. But if I learn too much about them from mm -hmm. seeing them too much in the news and too much uh, on talk shows I'm flipping by or whatever, um, then when I watch them act, I might say, wow, that movie star is doing a great job right. being a cab driver when hopefully uh, I'm on screen behind the wheel of a yellow vehicle. They go, there's a cab driver right. instead of, and maybe like I sort of think I know who that is, but I don't know for sure that that's the guy with six wives and four chihuahuas and who exactly. <laughs> fights for clean water in, in uh, uh, you know, overseas or whatever. All, all, all great pursuits, but, uh, but for me, I'm trying to, uh, you know, have as little of me uh, out there as possible. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> How are things? <laughs> Um, so everything I've said so far is completely untrue, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, as an actor, do you can you watch your own films? I know a few actors don't like seeing themselves on screen. Are you able to sit there and watch yourself and enjoy or either critique yourself? I mean, what do you do when you're watching your own films? Yeah, I haven't seen everything that I've been in, but I've seen most of what I've been in mm -hmm. because I'm interested in... in First, the story as a whole right. is it is it is it how did how is it different from how I read it? How does it feel uh, differently from how I read it, or how does it reinforce what uh, my hopes uh, when reading it? Uh, how did the other departments do? You know, there was uh, that really amazing production designer on that one, uh, and her work looked amazing. And sure enough, on film it is. Or that other actor that seemed. Uh, like they were overacting, but suddenly they look really great on film. It's just a learning experience. And mm -hmm. so I love stories, and I want to see also if I was uh, effective in, in, uh, in serving the story and, and uh, how I could improve that. Um, but that said, I, I don't see everything. There are things that I just, uh, um, particularly earlier on, uh, while I was learning from, from them, I also knew that... Uh, if it wasn't going to make me feel good to watch, that it was mm -hmm. silly to do. Right. Same with reviews, I guess, probably. Yeah, staying mm -hmm. away from other critiques of, mm -hmm. of um, but and looking at, I mean, you've been acting uh, for, for for many years now and have so many amazing roles. Has the industry changed, in your view, from when you started till now? Like, do you see uh, just the industry, maybe not just in acting, but the industry as a whole, do you see any trends that are completely different, either good or bad, that are completely Yeah, I, I think that, uh, that uh, you know, I was around really before the digital camera was, right. was, uh, was, was uh, omnipresent. Uh, so what, I guess what I've seen, the biggest change I've seen is, is uh, in independent film. Um, there weren't that many independent films being made when I started out. I remember there was a time in the mid-90s where it was easier for me to get into a studio film than into an independent film because wow. suddenly independent films were in vogue and, and there weren't that many being made and Sundance was you know, on the rise as a really amazing film festival and others. Um, so kind of what happened is that 
because there weren't that many independent films and the people who were working on them were people who'd apprenticed and kind of been at the top of their game to try to get those positions on, on the film. Uh, because now there are so many movies uh, being made and anyone can kind of pick up a camera and, and, and make a movie now. Uh, I do end up working on some independent films that lack the grace and organization that that, uh, that, uh, that was once uh, in those kind of films. You might have a person heading a department, uh, props or something like that, that has never really done it before or didn't, didn't learn that it's a difficult job that requires a great deal of forethought and then a great deal of work while on set uh, to right. make sure things are, are, are functioning properly. Um, so there's a lot of, I guess, uh, younger people, again, without uh, a great deal of experience sometimes, and that can make for an interesting situation. I'm trying to just roll with it, but yeah. uh, I do miss kind of the grace of, of independent filmmaking that, that existed 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess to kind of wrap things up, um, mm. at this point in your life and your career, do you, do you still do you kind of, do you set goals for yourself or do you... St- is there something that you haven't accomplished yet that you haven't that you would mm-hmm. wish to do anything on your bucket list, and or do you just kind of take it one day at a time mm-hmm. and see what 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 the next day brings? <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I do know this. The older that I've gotten, uh, I feel like the less that I know for sure, the less absolutes there are in my life, and I hope the wiser I am for it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I certainly. Uh, have, have musical kinds of goals, I think, uh, but they're they're loose. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to try to get the music that I make to as many people as possible, uh, while still kind of on my own terms and our own our own terms as a group. Right. Um, uh, I really am more of a day at a time guy because, uh, in, in the end. Uh, I don't have anything like that I can say I want to do this for sure, you know, or, or this kind of part. I've just been so lucky to get on, to be part of things that are enriching and enjoyable, and that's kind of enough, you know, yeah. uh, just to keep finding musical projects and, and acting projects and art projects that uh, interest me, and they, they just seem to, to keep coming, knock wood. So well, I think they'll it's be a good thing. For- quite some time mm. uh, I've enjoyed your work uh, thank you. and, and your, your roles and your music and just want to thank you again for, ah. for sitting here tonight it's been such a pleasure really fun thanks a lot thank really you. great thank you